everybody, Jason here. Just letting you know that there were a couple times we had a pause during the filming and taping of the episode. We had to just take a few breaks to take some personal calls that were unplanned. Just a heads up, there will be a couple abrupt cuts. You'll probably hear my voice again. So thanks. Appreciate your understanding. Very good. Hi, Fran. How are you? Good. How about yourself? Turning on the noise removal now, so that way it sounds really nice. Okay, sorry. Now we can start. <laughs> Very good. I'm doing well. Welcome to Use Your Items, a podcast about video games and at least one person who makes them. At least one person who makes them. I mean, we all make, have made video games in our lives, right? Have you as a kid, not at the playground, made your own rules and made a game? Oh, I've made games, but... Then you are uh, video a video entertainment device? I think not. <laughs> okay, fair, fair. Not a not a I don't think I could code my way out of a paper bag if I had you watching over my shoulder and telling me exactly what to do. No, click so. click that button. No, no, the other one. No, left click. No, you right clicked. Left well, click, you'd please. be like you'd be like, "Okay, use the bracket." No, the square one. No, not that. Stop. It has to be Jason, the square one. And I tell you, I don't know what layer <laughs> that's on my keyboard because I don't use it. So I got rid of that key. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Same deal here. I This is a whole different tangent. But um, my girlfriend, she cannot use my keyboard because of layers and stuff. I also have a, yeah. a keyboard with layers. But that's a whole nother conversation. This isn't use your keys. This is use your items. So I am very OK with a tangent episode Patreon special about keyboards i love i love mechanical keyboards it's one of my it's honestly one of the i got into the hobby like in 20 2019 right before the pandemic um oh my goodness and it it was a deep rabbit hole i'm actually very unhappy with the keyboard i have now and the layers and i'm thinking about switching back but i'm switching back I, to I feel another a little, keyboard another key switch to a previous build okay. that i had to a to a smaller percentage keyboard actually okay. gotcha gotcha uh, i'm i'm at like a 65 percent, i believe right mm -hmm. now and mm -hmm. i think i want to go i was at like a 50 gotcha. and i liked i liked having a split ergo like you have yeah and right now i'm on an alice split which i thought i would like more and it's okay but i'm not i'm not i i have issues again that's another episode of another podcast maybe but uh, anyway, yeah. So welcome back. Thanks for thanks for doing this with me again. Today we're talking about the one, the only Banjo Kazooie. Banjo Kazooie. So this is a little bit different from last episode. I think you have played Banjo Kazooie previously to completion. And no, my bad. Opposite. I had finished Final Fantasy VII to completion. You had not. And now for Banjo-Kazooie, you have finished to completion, and I have not. Yes, that is true. Although, there is a bit of a hang-up there with, with this game for this episode. Uh, namely, that I did not finish this game entirely, which I think is maybe part of, definitely part of the conversation for this episode. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I, I did beat this game previously. I played it as a child. I have some pretty distinct memories about this game, actually. Mm -hmm. Probably the most salient one is I remember sharing a VHS tape with my cousin in the Bronx. We lived in the Bronx and we had this VHS tape that I guess we got, he got, or I got with Nintendo power good old nintendo Wait, power rip. you got a vhs tape with nintendo power 
I'm I didn't pretty even... sure it was like mail order or something like that. So the demo, so it was a demo sizzle reel. It was like a series I... of demo sizzle reels. I had never heard, like, I've heard of CDs inside of a magazine because CDs are so flat. You can fit it in there, but I had never heard of this VHS program. Well, this was 98, right? So the game came out in 98. So this had to be 98, 90, 97, 98. There was a VHS tape with a bunch of sizzle reels of different game demos. So it wasn't the demo itself. It was actually <laughs> just the sizzle reel that, would show up on TV, I guess, but we Surely. were like obsessed with the Banjo Kazooie sizzle reel. We were obsessed with this demo that we didn't get to play. There were no <laughs> demos on. I don't think there were any demos on N64, actually, now that I think about it. None that would be easy to to get. Like it would probably be like very select few reviewers slash certain people they send them this cartridge that it says not for resale and that would be the only way i would imagine that they would have done demos on the n64 yeah like i remember getting demo discs on ps1 very very it's like burned mm-hmm. into my memory having a demo disc with four games on it yep. and <laughs> it had like i don't know like like 15 minutes or one level or something of each game some of those demos goodness we're getting i'm getting into another tangent but some of those demos got a sizable chunk of replayability for the amount that the demo actually included i had like so bad growing up i sometimes didn't have as much cash the six for sixty dollars for a whole new game yeah so sometimes i'd be like oh i can have this magazine and i get five games and this is this is great this is amazing it's Mm -hmm. like it's amazing and some of those i until recently when i streamed it the original spider-man for playstation one i had replayed the first level the scorpion level so many (laughs) times on a demo disc (laughs) so many times i never finished the game never played the real game i think i even know the game it's the one where they don't have a lot of draw distance, so the excuse they have is that Green Goblin has put fog in. Yes, <laughs> and Man, so that way, I... that's why you couldn't reach the ground level. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, I, I I won't even call this a tangent. This is clearly part of the conversation, as we're we're I guess boomers of of the video game <laughs> generation. Now, not truly, we weren't there for Pong and. Mm-hmm. the rest of that in the in the 80s we are baby children of the 90s mm-hmm. however there is something to be said for games that needed to use and abuse storytelling elements <laughs> to work around and work in very clear hardware and software limitations that i feel like doesn't really happen anymore yeah now that you can essentially the world is your oyster you can excuse away nothing right you can show everything um i think that that's one of the reasons why horror games sometimes do worse nowadays because nowadays you can show everything you just just cgi that make everything cool or whatever while back in the day with jaws this is more movies but that relates to video games too with jaws and alien and all these things oh it's too expensive to do this animatronic so we're gonna have to put it in the shadows and make it very shadowy and to bring it back to resident to uh video games resident evil was one of those games where the draw distance was like 10 feet but we're like you know what just fog it's it's a foggy area don't worry about it It makes it scarier resident evil is such a cool 
history of video gaming and yeah. development and design because it it was part of that that piece of ps1 history with fixed camera angles mm-hmm. which i think and i don't know anything from anything but my guess is that it was to solve the problem of cameras are really really hard to program in the 90s i would imagine the that's 2000s. some of it uh i honestly also think so a technical challenge obviously was one of them but I would also assume or guess that it was also a design decision to be able, we are entering this realm where these people wanted to tell a very cinematic story. They wanted to show off a game where it felt like you were playing a movie. And this is happening yeah. right now in VR that it's very difficult to do because in VR you have so much control over the camera and everything. So in video games, they were like, well, well hmm. let's let's just bring over cinematography skills over to video games okay we're gonna set up the camera here if it's a scary big monster we want the camera to be low if we want the the you to feel lonely we'll bring the camera way out so that it's already wide and you're alone in this right so i think it probably was um that process of these uh artists wanting to use this new medium and having to learn like using the what that worked from the old ones to the new ones it's kind of like how movies went through that right like when movies came out all the movie techniques were essentially theater techniques it was usually from one angle one room Mm -hmm. we're talking and this is just the next step of that yeah i think there's a really really cool overlap between the development of these artistic visual these visual artistic trends that you, you kind of see it, the birth and genesis and burgeoning of each each medium, mm-hmm. theater, from storytelling and, mo- and you know, moving pictures and film from theater and then video games from movies. And we, we talked about it a little bit when we spoke about, I think, anime and mm-hmm. different forms of media that would impact and have probably influenced Final Fantasy VII yeah. and it's interesting to think that the things that were probably really influencing them were either things that were super, super new and very, very exciting, or they were pieces of media that were so ingrained in their medium from the 70s, American New Wave, or from the 80s and 90s in, in with like that twist in, in blo- the birth of blockbusters and Star mm-hmm. Wars and stuff that, that really changed how video games would would look at something like that and then bring it into into their space and yeah definitely super cool there's there's and i think to bring it back to banjo kazooie banjo kazooie is super important because it's one of the first and maybe one of the best platformers on the n64 for better or for worse for our takes on it as 2023 people it's it's it holds a very warm spot in a lot of people's hearts. And Mm -hmm. so the reason why it's on this, on the series on my blog series, which I have yet to write the article, but the reason it's on the series is because a couple of my friends, Mike and Brian shout outs to you guys have suggested it. And they brought it up because it's a game that was, a single player game it was the only one they had which is you know this is this is a common thread in a lot of these games especially from the 90s where you had one game and you had it for <laughs> yeah 8 months 
maybe five months, something like that. Like you had it for such a long time. You didn't get new games all the time. They didn't come out all the time. There used to be a real dry spell of literally nothing, not like Mm -hmm. nothing you wanted to play. There were no new games. That was it. Especially most households were one console households, which is still true today, but there's so much multi-platform release. And that I think that impacts it. And so having only one game, something that, I know Mike sunk a ton of his time into and honestly the thing that they both came back to is the music is Yo, how definitely. iconic how important how influential the music was it how these songs Gruntilda's Lair and all these things just sort of like earworm their way into your memory and you still hum them I mean Mike Mike still hums them to this day he said so it's, I would uh, thank you that. for the suggestion, Mike, but it, it's it's got to I think the music's really got to be one of the biggest. And, and like the whole sound design of the game has to be. That's one what of the I was about to say. Draws. I would just extend that to the sound. Just anything that hits your ear holes out of this game is just. Very iconic and very. You could probably put it in a game today and it will not feel out of place. It's it's that type of timeless like type of music where it's like you yeah. and it, there's so much emotion and evocativeness in each of those songs that you they get played and you immediately know I know what this is about. I know what the, like the I can already see the level in my mind or I could even and if not the level then at the very least the the flow of play like just the opening theme is just so fast so quirky though it just go yeah. makes you want to get up and just get out there and go on an adventure uh yeah definitely i 100 percent agree that if you had to pick one thing that's really good about this game it is the music and and the sound design and just yeah everything about it it's it's incredible it's it's so iconic and the the really cool thing i always found about the sound and the characters and the music in that game was that it feels like coming from a game like super Mario 64, like we can't help but talk about that game while we talk about this game. They're so directly related rare, rare saw super Mario 64 Mm -hmm. and was, they were directly, you know, Greg, Greg males was, was directly influenced by not Mm -hmm. just the success, but the, I guess the audacity or the just the achievement of Super Mario 64 and what could be done. And we'll and there's some really cool game dev history in there too. But that that was a game that's that's also super iconic music. Still to this day, I still hear like super slider in my head. And it's just like a little it's like my brain worm that mm-hmm. I can't it's just like it plays when dumb stuff's happening and it's the same way here. Like the way the characters talk, like that, that like Charlie Brown teacher, oh God, like chatter it. is so rah, rah, good. Rah, rah, I'll, rah. I'll cut, yeah, I'll cut some in, and uh, it, I think that's that's got to be it. So for me, this game is just a classic platformer from my childhood. Mm. I remember that demo tape super well, playing the absolute crap out of this game, and yeah, the music is something that really mm. the music, the characters. There's there's a lot to love here. You and can there's pay- a lot. That you could pair- I don't love anymore. <laughs> oh Lord! Oh, before we get into that, <laughs> yeah, 
because <laughs> I was gonna say like also it's just comparing it for for Mario like you mentioned that that game has good music and everything and I do agree Mario 64 has really good music but I do feel like the Mario music is very video gamey it is very I don't know why I don't know I could not tell you I'm not a musically talented so I would not be able to tell you why, if it's the melody, if it's the the right, time. Right now, I gotta get a composer on the show. <laughs> we got one. We we're talking with them. Um, oh, that's true. So, oh, you mean like get him on the show and talking? Yes. Oh, that'd be yeah. great. That'd be so good. Uh, but at least I for at least for for Mario, it really does feel like an N sixty four music. It feels like it is music from that time and like it's really good and it's really good video game music but it's i don't know why banjo kazooie's music just goes beyond that it goes like i can see this being in a goofy cartoon about a bear and a bird right like i can see that being a sad am cartoon right next to ed uh, Ed and eddie and dexter's laboratory and like all these characters right it it feels like it transcended video gameness and i'm not saying that as a marker of you're not real art unless you transcend video games, but I'm saying that more of as a, just such a good piece of medium that just can pierce into all these different people without even needing to be video games. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think that's a good, a good place for us to segue into (laughs) a little, a little game dev history. Let's do it. So, uh, as, as we know, the game was developed by rare, uh, rare, most famous for, of course, Donkey Kong Country on the Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And Rare created their, I believe it was called the Rare Advanced Computer Modeling Technology, which, so the Rare ACM is what they used to make Donkey Kong Country. And what mm-hmm. was really cool about that piece of tech was it allowed them to layer multiple uh, textures on top of each other to create depth in mm-hmm. a 2d space so that's why i think donkey kong country is one of the best looking games from that era it's it's just an incredible achievement oh yeah um, definitely so many games like indie games today that are trying to like look retro are trying to emulate that art style and they were yeah. able to do it like out of the box and everything i don't know if this is something that you're gonna mention but uh the shigeru miyamoto actually did not initially enjoy the art style slash just Donkey Kong Country in general. Really? I did not know that. Yeah, Shigeru Miyamoto was essentially once Donkey Kong was done, the original arcade game of Donkey Kong and all these games came out, he essentially kind of didn't want to deal with it anymore because he was like, (laughs) there's really nothing else. Like, we already have a platformer character and that's Mario. We already have a blank of metroid character and that's metroid and like all these different things and for some reason just did not care too much about donkey kong country and i think that was the reason why rare was approached to develop it because <laughs> they were like yeah. nintendo was like oh, we don't know what to do with this right we have this we have this this character in the stable we might we gotta use them mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. yo rare you can figure it out so i maybe we'll cross donkey kong country i don't know if it's on the list i have to double check but anyway that's rare that's donkey kong country then they started working in 95 i think it was uh or 90 it, it must have been like 95 they started working on a game called dream and this is if 
anybody's in the know about Banjo-Kazooie, you'll know this, this tidbit. If not, this is for you. They were originally working on a game called Dream, and Dream was about a boy who lands on an island full of pirates, and the boy's a pirate, and they get into a bunch of hijinks and wackiness, and Rare really wanted to make an RPG. They wanted to make a role-playing game. Uh, I, I can't say that they were inspired by, you know, original Final Fantasy or anything like that. Uh, maybe Super Mario RPG. I'm assuming that's in the gestalt for them. However, they wanted this RPG. I've, you can find footage of it. It's kind of like an isometric top-down kind of RPG, a little bit more like, um, oh, I think it was directly influenced by, like, LucasArts, uh, like, CRPGs, like, computer RPGs and stuff like gotcha. that. Gotcha. So they wanted to do that, and then they were they developed it for 16 months, and they're like, this feels not great. Like, there's not, I, we don't, they, they were afraid that there just wasn't enough there. Like, it was fine, but the characters seemed a little thin. So they changed, <laughs> so they changed the character from a boy to a rabbit, and they're like, this is kind of stupid. And then they changed the rabbit into a bear with a backpack, and then that was it. Banjo-Kazooie was born. Like, Banjo was born <laughs> on the spot. Like, just, so, and I maybe I bury the lead a little bit. Part of that change, too, came with the N64, okay. which comes out in 96. So I, they're working on Dream in 95. The N64 comes out, more or less, and they're like, okay, so we don't need this cool technology that we spent forever developing and we, and we you know, took to critical acclaim with Donkey Kong Country, but now we have this new opportunity and... We're kind of like just shocked by Super Mario 64. So they mm -hmm. change the model. They change the idea. They get this bear with a backpack and they decide that they're going to make a, a 3D space. They're going to make a 3D world with Banjo and they're going to make Banjo Kazooie. They get Grant Kirkhope to compose the soundtrack. I don't know what else Grant's done. However, clearly an iconic <laughs> composer. I believe there's an interview out there with him. I, I watched a few different things to to get ready for this episode, uh, and there was some interesting stuff about about the music composition, of course. And in audio history, it's one of the first games to ever feature vertical remixing, uh, which is where they sort of re where there's just various sound layers that fade in and out depending on your player's location. Which is, I mean, it seems kind of basic now, but it was it it was Banjo Kazooie. And, of course, it's considered one of Rare's classic best games. Mm -hmm. These days, I don't know, I guess Rare is probably still thought of as the Banjo-Kazooie people. They did Perfect Dark, I believe. Another, was that I, them? I believe that was them. Yeah, yeah, that was them. Uh, James Bond, uh, 007 Goldeneye. Right, that was them. Goldeneye, of course. Uh, I would say that, I don't know, I feel like Banjo... Nowadays, if I were to go on the street to any like average younger gamer, I would imagine that they would think more Donkey Kong Country at this point. There have been more Donkey Kong countries coming out uh, recently, like the Wii and Switch and all these things, yeah. right? Uh, I don't know how much Banjo-Kazooie as a name is, is remembered anymore unfortunately they, i i i feel like it's gotta i mean rare's got a lot of good stuff i i feel like maybe Definitely. i i undersold it i mean they had battletoads donkey kong banjo oh Kazooie. no rare rare is amazing rareware is they are a legendary studio at this point it's a it's a husk of its former self rare is still around but it's been through so many of thieves baby yo okay never mind rare is great 
<laughs> sea of Thieves. Rares, I mean, Sea of Thieves slaps. It's not for me, but I've always enjoyed it whenever I've, I played it. I always want to get back. I, I've only played it for like five hours, but I always want to yeah. find a group of people to play with because it seems like um, like it'd be a great one. I'm not exactly sure where we left off. I believe we were talking about dream about how apparently bears are cooler than rabbits, which are cooler than boys. Yeah. I mean, boys are not cool at all. So yeah, definitely, definitely boys. are. So not yeah. Cool. So rare goes through and creates starts as dream and it ends up as Banjo Kazooie. They're directly inspired by super Mario 64, but most importantly, this game comes out on the N64, not on the Super Nintendo, which is what Dream was originally going to come out on. They are a, they're quick adopters of the new hardware. They are firm believers in the N64, and they create the collect-a-thon platformer known as Banjo-Kazooie. And for yeah. me, I think what's what's so interesting about this is that this is really like the birth of a genre, and... As, and I see a lot of what's going on here in Ocarina of Time, which is something we're both playing currently right now, which you have mm-hmm. this open world experience where there isn't a there's no longer a defined end point like there is right like you collect enough things you do enough stuff. It's when Ocarina comes out that we really kind of take the rails off of that. But here, yeah, as opposed to previous Mario games where you go from left to right, beginning to end. And the game, and then that level is over, or Donkey Kong games, which were the same thing, maybe more vertically designed. Now you have Banjo Kazooie, which is a collectathon. You're in an open space. Yeah. There's no, there's no obvious direction in which way to go. There's only the design of the mm. game itself to push you and lead you yeah. and and really take you on the adventure on the story that they're trying to tell, which I mean, there's not much of a story. The story is the levels, but I would say that is true in all levels, except one. There's one level that I, I, I I do not think the level design is very conducive to, to like, Ooh, what's this cool new area? I want to go over there and collect stuff or this is cool area. There's one level. I don't know if you'll, it's clankers where I was, I was dreading it. Is that the boat in, level? That's the one with the, the underwater the, level. No, I I'm talking oh, about the, the sandy boat level. the uh the bucket, the second level. The bu- yeah, bucket. Yes, Rusty's bucket. The, no, it's not. The, it's not. It's much further no, in. I thought. It's, uh, no, it's you do the first level where you turn into a termite, and then that's the next. And then the next le- the next level yeah. I did was was uh, I believe Rusty's bucket. Zooey levels. I I am looking at this. It's been it's been a hot minute since. Uh, oh, you're talking about. I'm talking about Rusty Bucket Bay. Yeah. Oh, you're talking oh, about Treasure I, oh, Trove yes, Cove. Yes, I was talking about Treasure ship. Trove Cove, not Rusty no. Bucket Bay. Yeah, Rusty Bucket Bay is a tough one. I. It made me realize. I I guess we can yeah. we can talk a little bit about this uh you played 
the Xbox yes. 360 version, right? The I played the original N64 version. And I was not aware of this, but the N64 version has a co- godforsaken yeah. mechanic that I yeah. do not understand what the thought I process exactly was around this mechanic. For viewers who don't know, it's even hard to explain. So in most level, in most games, like Mario 64, you have a bunch of stuff that you want to collect. In Banjo-Kazooie, right. there's a lot of stuff you want to collect too. Specifically, what I'm talking about are the right. musical notes. In Mario 64, the way that uh, the same analogy of like how much it appears and what they do and stuff like that would be kind of like mm-hmm. coins. Um, they appear everywhere. Uh, but in Mario 64, collecting a coin is a nice to have. You can get a star from it if you wish, but it is a nice to have that only exi- that persists throughout your lifetime. The way that it works in Banjo Kazooie is that anytime you collect a musical note within a level, you are setting up a high score, so to speak, on that level of how many musical notes you've collected right. on one life. And you use those musical notes, that high score, you don't pay, it's not a currency, it's not something that you collect and you keep on you. Once you leave the world, the level, you lose all your musical notes. And when you go back into that level, the musical notes are reset right. and you're back at zero. And the reason this is kind of annoying is because it feels like it's something you're collecting. It feels like a collectathon by by making this obtuse high score level thing. It now means that later on, there are parts where doors that are closed depending on the total sum of high scores of musical notes that you've gained across the all level. Not not how many musical notes you've collected. It's the sum of the high score at each level. And that is such a... And the Xbox 360 version... God bless them. They removed that mechanic. (laughs) When Rare was acquired by Microsoft and they started re-releasing Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Tooie, all the other Banjo games, that was one of the major changes was this change to musical notes where it goes from being like a high score number that you need to get to to open certain doors in the N64 version, which by the way, I don't remember. I don't remember that at all from from it. So you basically have to 100% the musical notes in every level on the N64 up to a certain point because you don't get to just collect however many you need to get through the next door. Which is pretty Yeah. which, which is like pretty like interesting and and cool design space to be in. Not not the get the highest score every time, but the I I only need mm-hmm. as much as I need. It gives a lot of player agency yes. in the in the Xbox remake. And I know that this is all sounding me complaining about this. Like now that you've explained, dear listeners might be like, okay, I mean it's very obtuse, but you know what? Just collect the the musical notes. But the problem is that some of these levels are yeah. so unforgiving. Some of these levels have one hit kill areas. Um where you like just holes where you can fall through and if you fall through it isn't like in uh, ocarina of time where you just go back to the beginning of the 
of the room with one less heart. No, you just, you've lost a life, you go back to zero. Uh, some of these levels, something that, uh, that I guess we kind of, to, to the difficulty of Banjo-Kazooie, I felt a few times where I got yeah. Wombo comboed by enemies. The uh, invincibility frames does not seem like enough sometimes. It's a little sometimes awkward. I get it. it's, a, it's a pretty brutal game. Yes, it is. I guess we can talk about difficulty yeah, now. And we should talk about it game. all. It's interesting. I'm just going to come out and say it. The seal has been broken on, the, on, on Mario 64 being talked about. Which one do you think did you have more fun or like there's some things that one of the other has historically better. or today? Even today, you like or not even historically, just very personal. Like I like Banjo Kazooie more because the feeling of exploration. I and like Super music Mario is much better. Yeah, I mean the music. <laughs> the, it's it's re- honestly, it it's kind of crazy. It comes down to the music and the characters and i feel like i relate way more to the super mario's to the mario 64 music and the characters like i have that dumb little penguin like burned into my retinas permanently (laughs) and i can't there's just because there's something there's just something that's so unhinged to me to think about this tiny little italian plumber going absolutely just buck wild going full haywire in the world of this little friggin' penguin and the penguin's mom, and they're just and just causing absolute chaos in this world, killing the and like it's just a it's a me Mario, and it's like oh my god, I I find Mario to be an extremely unhinged character, in, especially now, and I and I think that makes. I, I I feel more endeared towards Mario for that reason, as opposed to Banjo-Kazooie, is, which is a, a ridiculous character for the sake of it. That is very interesting because I agree 100% that I am much more, I enjoy Mario 64 a lot more. But I kind of like Banjo-Kazooie and the story of Banjo-Kazooie more as a... I guess as a character and as a concept, it's just the the snarkiness of uh, Kazooie, yeah. the the like the brazenness. Like I guess it's very really comes down to Banjo is just a Sora from Kingdom Hearts, you know, yeah. just like a dumb. I can be friends with anyone and and has this like evil like side, which is Kazooie, and is just being snarky mm-hmm. and I. Honestly, I think Conquer's Bad Fur Day, which is another great rare game in the same vein as um, as Banjo-Kazooie, really did a disservice to Banjo-Kazooie to making it feel like, oh, Conquer's Bad Fur Day is the, is the sarcastic, snarky, adult yeah. Banjo-Kazooie. But Banjo-Kazooie itself has some, like, good jokes in there that are, like, adult, like, they don't go full-on adult, but they're, like... I don't think a kid would have understood this joke. This joke has so many layers and is so good. I personally feel like I, I enjoyed the, the characters of Banjo-Kazooie and the music of Banjo-Kazooie more. But even with all that, the gameplay is what essentially seals the, the, the like, nails the coffin for me for just... Mario's 64's controls are so tight. Yes. I play Mario 64 like every few years, maybe not to completion, but just to like 
get that feeling again of like, oh my goodness, this just feels so tight. It's a wonder how the heck Nintendo was able to get that on their first try. Like that is crazy amount of work thinking that this is the first 3D platforming game that got it right. Yeah. And it was their first attempt. Yeah, they just <laughs> right? knocked like, it right out of the park. I mean, they never really did like, anything the other... There was nothing before that, right? Nothing... I, nothing... Six, yeah, nothing 3D. Nothing that Nintendo that, uh, did. There was... There was um, nothing that Nintendo did. There was one other game that came out before Super Mario 64. Ju- yeah. Jumping Flash, I think. It's like a rabbit for oh yep had a few sequels yep, i know which it, one. that's like a classic that that was maybe the first one but yeah i think that was yeah i i it is it is crazy there is so many times where in mario 64 it feels like you mario has so many moves uh this is now mario 64 apparently uh talk no i'm just kidding. it's I'm in just, the conversation I'm bringing this back to i'm bringing this back to magic kazoo but Mario 64, Mario has so many different moves. And every time you learn of a different move, because the game doesn't tell you that you can just pit stop jump, like to do an arc backwards. It doesn't tell you that you can triple jump to get a a, like higher jump. This is the last one and all these things. And some of these are very, not obtuse, but very, the first time you do them, you're like, why would I ever want to do that? Why wouldn't I just jump? Or why wouldn't I do X, Y, or Z or anything like that? And as you play the game and you master the game, you find all those nukes and crannies and all the reasons why you would choose to do those jumps and to do all those things that never really happened with Banjo-Kazooie. With Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo and Kazooie have a lot of movement tech. But there are some movement tech that I was like, why don't I just always use this? Like, I don't get like, like, why would I ever punch in, in, in Banjo-Kazooie? Why would I ever walk around when I can just Kazooie run all over the place? Right. Like there's, there's a lot of tech in, in Banjo-Kazooie that seems more like an oversight of like, well, we kind of need to have something here, I guess. Uh, rather than than being a reason to use it, yeah. So that's I guess another thing that I really like about Mario sixty four versus Banjo Kazooie, where Banjo Kazooie really the world that you're exploring, kinda, and the story that it's telling, which I guess we haven't told what the story right. is, even though it's very simple. Yeah. Uh, even with all that. It, you go to play that game because of that, because of that feeling, not because it feels good, but because you're imagining how it would be to explore these places and how it feels to play all these things. I guess it's the difference between like game feel or controller feel or like all those things versus like setting and theming and emotiveness kind of deal. It's more more of that is what I feel like Banjo Kazooie brings to the table. I think I, that's a that's a very interesting point because I feel like I, I feel like the movement and the traversal in Banjo Kazooie is is directly descended from Super Mario sixty four and to me I think it makes a lot of sense. I I maybe prefer Banjo Kazooie's traversal overall. I think that Super I think Mario's movement in sixty four is very it feels very natural and, yes. and it, it's hard for me to say that because I feel like 
Mar- Super Mario 64 is so old at this point, and it is so ingrained in in my memory, even in like muscle memory to a degree, in the in, in my history of like speed running and having friends who speed run like super, you know super mario 64 is like that that game that's just like it's always there people are always running it it's it's like a classic in the space and the movement there feels very natural to a degree but the movement mm-hmm. in the traversal in in banjo kazooie feels i guess a little bit more evolved from the super mario 64 and it doesn't always work i think there are a lot of cases of why would I ever do this other thing when this thing exists? Why would I ever punch as Banjo except for that one time I need to kill that one hermit crab? So I, <laughs> I, t- I, I think I was go that I will go. that was a that was a crappy boss. You had a bad time with that. You had a really I watched you play that on stream I, and I was just like, oh my god, Fran, you're. I didn't even fight him. I le- did I defeat him on that stream? Not that I saw. You got you got extremely. Yeah, salty. I, I think I left. I think I left. Yeah. I was like, I don't need this. I I I don't need this this uh what's it called this the jigsaw puzzle. That I don't jiggy? need the jigsaw puzzle. That jiggy. I don't need this jiggy. No wait, no jiggies are the. Critters. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. It is just a puzzle piece. <laughs> I think yeah. So for me, it's just I I think the movement and the traversal is really cool. It's very different. And it feels like it's exploring the space of you're a bear and a and a bird. So like you can fly around, you can run around on stork legs, you can roll around like bears roll around. Like it, it has like all of these things that make it feel like really endearing and fun and silly and plays into the overall vibe. I mean, you know, of, of the story. I, to say I prefer one to the other. I mean, I guess I prefer Super Mario 64 only because it feels a little bit tighter a lot of time i felt like banjo's movement was a little blocky mm-hmm. i don't know how much of that was just the like the set design like the actual like level design was was a little punishing at times yeah so i, I i'm i will admit i'm not the biggest fan of this style of game i've never been crazy about platformers interesting and i i don't think i beat super mario 64 to completion as a kid i don't i don't remember doing so um, okay interesting so it this isn't this is like a collectathon something like that like i i enjoy a a particular kind of platformer and collectathon now i guess that's more of like how open world games are designed today that's kind of the the thoroughfare like the idea highway from a banjo kazooie collectathon to assassin's creed one million yeah you know <laughs> I, I think we could this really does give me this really does give me some context into your mind space or your mind palace of like what you like and platforming and everything like that. Because for me, I'm the exact opposite. I love 3D platformers. I finished uh, Mario 64 when I was very young. I play it, like I said, a few every few years. The last time I played it was with uh, the 30-year anniversary. I played uh, I Had in Time and mm-hmm. loved it uh i had in time is banjo kazooie three banjo 3e uh but dare i say it even better than banjo 3e could ever be because hat kid is such a i love her i played a little bit of hat in time and i loved playing hat in time i i just never Mm -hmm. feel like i i always feel like i get like okay i've had it's 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 like for me like platformers Mm -hmm. like this feel like ice cream i love ice cream 
but I don't want to eat it for three meals. I don't want to eat it for an hour. I don't want to eat, except for, except for Ben and Jerry's. I'll eat an entire carton in one sitting, (laughs) but I, I, that's, that's where I get it's. And that's the same thing that happened to me here. I'm like, this is great. I'm loving it. I'm having so much fun. I'm like, I have to do this. How many more times? Okay, interesting. Because I, so now that I'm thinking about it and I brought it up that Hat in Time, I think Hat in Time is a combination of Mario 64 and Banjo-Kazooie. Hmm. It's the, 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 the one thing that it doesn't have is the music. The music isn't as, as good as Banjo-Kazooie's music. But the characters and this theme and this emotiveness and like all this quirky story, the levels are super quirky to where you're going and what they even have to do. It really does. The levels really are just out of nowhere. We're just throwing stuff at yeah. the wall, and whatever Super Mario cool, we'll T-Rex. just do it. Yeah, exactly. Sure. <laughs> Super Mario T Rex. Super Mario. What are the other things? I think. I guess that's the weirdest Probably. one you can turn into. Uh, yeah, kind of went straight into straight into the weirdest <laughs> one there. Uh, so I think that I had a time. I. I. I think it's banjo kazooie i would almost tell anyone if they wanted to if you are a young person oh god and you are like i want to learn about different uh game boomer friend everyone stuff boomer friend where's the i need to shave and losing my hair i would say play a hat in time but play the banjo kazooie soundtrack wow, that's the that's the that's the machete <laughs> order i did not expect to come out of this I will say if you are looking to if if you're younger and you've never played an N64 game or very few or you didn't grow up with it, I think this is 100% a must see. I, I don't think that you can really skip it. If you're ex- examining the history of the N64, the history of Nintendo, the history of Rare, the genre, like Banjo-Kazooie is absolutely 100% a game worth revisiting. I, however, just am not – and I know this about myself. It, it's very seldom – that I, I mean, I, I'm not trying to beat myself up about it, but I'm also not a guy that, like, finishes a million games. I'm more likely to have 10 mm-hmm. games at 75% and tell you and tell you exactly how I feel about them than to take every game to the end. And yeah. maybe that's, that's this is, episode two is just as good a place for me to talk about this, but I don't think that finishing a game gives me less ability to discuss it critically except for maybe like mm-hmm. story or if there's like some ma- yeah I was maybe like a major gameplay change at the end of the game but if you're underpinning if somebody is underpinning the value of this game on something that you get to do in the last two hours i think that speaks to the game design in and of itself that's that's just me personally i know there's yeah. a lot of people out there who feel like you need to beat a game to be able to talk about it and i think that's fair Mm-hmm. but it's not it, it's very different from like watching half a movie and then saying the movie's crap versus not, now I'm not saying Banjo-Kazooie's crap but for me it's just I I don't know what I'm gonna get in the last three hours of Banjo-Kazooie that I did oh so you didn't I get didn't to finish, finish it. it no and I, I said that at the top too but okay. yeah I did not finish uh I didn't finish this game uh and I'm not upset about it mm-hmm. and I feel like I got quite a yeah. bit out of revisiting it specifically thinking about why this was this was sort of given to me as something that was so meaningful and so important to somebody's past and at the end of the day it's it's still the music and the characters and the vibe and i think there's some 
like even the stuff we've talked about is just really incredible here with just the the way that the traversal methods and the history of platformers and collectathons has impact today. But that that that's where I'm at with mm-hmm. with finishing games. That's my little soapbox. That's no, it's I think it's completely fair. There are some games that I would say you kind of need to finish it to get the full like typing of the dead. Very few. <laughs> I guess I don't. I, I wouldn't know. I have I've no idea. If there's a, if there's like a twist ending in Typing of the Dead, you know, let me know. But I was gonna say something kind of like uh, The Last of Us would be a game that I would say. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for bringing this up because this is so. The Last of Us is on our list. Oh really? It is. I I don't. Whenever we get to the end of this list, we'll get to it. It's at the. It's pretty much at the very end. I, there's like six ways to play the game and it's the same game every time. I don't know. I'll, I'll probably yeah. play it on PS5, but that's, that to me is a really great example of mm-hmm. right. So the last of us is a game that you probably, I would say need to see to the very end to really talk about what that game's doing. But that's not from, I think a gameplay perspective. There's yes, I agree. That's because naughty dog wants to make a movie. Naughty yeah. dog really, really wants to make a movie, <laughs> but they know how to make I video games. Agree. And, and you know what? That's fantastic because they make some of the highest quality cinematic video game experiences on the market, bar none, right? They set a new standard. Do you, it's one of those games that you can tell people it came out on a PS3. You all remember it came out on PS3 and nobody will tell you. They're like, what? I, I thought it was, P-. no, it was a PS3 game. Incredible experience. Must see, must play. But that's that's like that's more like seeing a movie like you can't tell me that Mm -hmm. you don't like Star Wars A New Hope because you didn't like the first 10 minutes that that I don't think is very fair Mm -hmm. to the movie. If you get halfway through Mm -hmm. a movie, though, listen, if you get halfway through a movie and you fall asleep, maybe you're tired. Try it again. You get halfway through a movie a second, a third time and you just can't finish it. There's something that's not working in that story for you. And right like taste is super subjective that's how it always is but yeah i yeah on your point yeah the last of us is a game that you should see through to the very end or try to and recognize that it might not be for you because maybe the story's not for you yeah i i'm gonna play a little bit of devil's advocate here and i do agree practically with everything i do feel that there is for the last of us specifically when i played the last of us part two it made me realize I wasn't as connecting with Last of Us Part Mm 2 as much as I connected with uh, Part 1. And because of that, a lot of the gameplay mechanics that were just straight from the first game just weren't hit, were just hitting differently. They were, I was like realizing, man, Last of Us 1 from a gameplay perspective didn't do that much, that much like, revolutionary however and this is where the devil's advocate stuff comes in i do think that the last of us is probably the first and perhaps best version of storytelling while you're playing of the characters talking and reacting to the things that you're doing as you play that really make that relationship feel very, very real, and therefore is why it hits more at the end of the game. So while I do agree that the story is definitely one of the big reasons why that game, 
you want to see it through to the end, I do feel that there are some, maybe you don't need to call it video game mechanics. Maybe it's more interactive mechanics if you want to like if you don't consider two people talking to each other reacting to things you do a game then sure (laughs) go off then (laughs) but if you want to call it just interactive then sure that i do feel like is something that only could happen in video games right because there is a level of of interactability and a level of you need to put in some work to get something out of it. And that by nature just makes you more involved and much more ingrained into what is happening at the moment. And so I agree with you that last of us is definitely a game that you should probably a hundred percent, mostly because of the story. I don't want to sell too short the interactive component and the things that last of us was able to bring from a video game standpoint that couldn't have been done in a movie or couldn't have been done in the series because the series came out and that was, i i totally agree and i don't think series. that just watching hbo's the last of us is this is the same as playing it i do think it's <laughs> remarkably close and i think that maybe yeah, somebody who is less interested in games as media could watch the show and, and have a, have a very near experience. But I, I, and I, and I do agree with, with quite a bit of what you're saying. You know, it's there's, there's certainly, there's always an element of I'm a player in a game holding a controller to manipulate a character in a space that you can't separate from the act of gaming in the same way that papers please is a game. That's not really a game that that is that's that's that you're manipulating characters and tools in a space to you know to check people over a border but and i don't want to get so far off the beaten trail because this we are on the banjo kazooie episode but that be (laughs) but all that being said, i was about to say is banjo kazooie a game you have to play to the end no i don't right and and so like that's that's where i'm at like I'm here for for the for the music. I'm here for some of the characters. I'm here to listen to like grunty, like make stupid noises. But it's it's at the end of the day for me, especially today with limited time, I found like the the humor, like especially especially Kazooie's humor. Mm-hmm. I I really was like kind of turned off by really? it. It was like very <laughs> it felt like very dated, very like 90s super sarcastic like Chandler from Friends humor. Like it just felt like very like and like the whole back and forth between Kazooie and Bottles, I think Oh yeah, that was dumb. Is either <laughs> I thought that was Well, dumb. so you say that, but like that I think that's like you either really you really enjoy that and that's what you're there for is like this hilarious sort of back and forth between the the mole and and the bird just you know making fun of each other or or you're really not and like and i think that's that's kind of what what was happening for me was i was just like okay like this is so you know this is a a little a little you know it was just like it was like too saccharine not not in the sense that it was too sweet it was just like a little too much um for for a lot of the experience i felt and I wanted to sort of get into it and try to remember what I remembered as a child playing it, which was it was funny and it was silly. And like moving a character in this way in the space was was like mind blowing. And in many ways, I think it still is. And the things that you can do. But I think if you're trying to have your but. mind blown by traversal play Super Mario 64, 
if you want to have fun traversing, play Banjo Kazooie. That's it. Uh, that's that's kind of where I'm at. I I I don't know. I I think that more than anything, I think this game you can just play the first three levels and be done. <laughs> and it was like, okay, I get it. I'm I, yeah. I'm good. I'll play the first three levels and then go do something else. I, I'm actually curious, since uh, you mentioned that you didn't finish the game, where did you get to? Um, It's been a while. I got to Freeze Easy Peak. Oh, cool, cool, cool. And I liked Freeze Easy Peak. I was having a decent time, I but <laughs> I love honestly, I just was getting a little frustrated at that point mm-hmm. with yet another place with yet another ominous liquid that I couldn't touch. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, okay, so I just did the swamp that I can't walk in. So I need boots that are timed. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then I go to freeze easy peak and it's like, Oh, the water's too cold. You can't go in the water. I'm like, okay, let me like, and I was like, I like trying to like sequence break a little mm-hmm. bit or try to see if I can do something in the wrong order. Now that I'm an adult with like, you know, with, with different brain worms than as a child and I, you know, try to go to the desert and it's like, there's quicksand. You can't go. And I'm like, OK, guys, like, really? Like three different deadly liquids I can't touch in a row. Like and I need like different boots to get through them. Mm-hmm. I need quick boot. And I that whole thing to me, that that's really where I started to fall off from the game was I need an item that has a minimum time usage to get through this area that doesn't have anything to do with my ability to use my traversal. Yeah. Yeah. To my benefit, to my character's benefit. And that that's that's really where I wanted to get off that. That's where I wanted to get off that. Ride I think that's probably a good place to get off because at that point you haven't done uh, Rusty Bucket Bay. You haven't done the Four Seasons level, which I think Click Lock. Oh, my goodness. What a great idea. But Lord have mercy, the verticality in that level just destroys any. Well, that's one of the most punishing ones. It's super long. It's it's very punishing. Am I am I mistaking? That's the one with a lot. I'm trying to remember. That's the one with a lot of backtracking. No, no, I'm thinking I'm thinking of Rusty Bucket, I think. Yeah, Rusty Bucket is the one with a lot of backtracking. That one is a lot of backtracking if you miss something. Like if I missed something a few times and yeah. I realized, oh my God, I need to go all the way back to get the power to do the other thing. Oh. Yeah. Hi again, folks. We had to step away just for a second to take care of a few phone calls, but we will be back in just a second. Thank you. fates are are with us here that it's time to that just like you don't have to finish every game maybe we don't have to finish every episode but no i'm kidding so we're going to let's just wrap up our our thoughts and sort of our takeaway from banjo kazooie and i don't want to go in you know tearing any game down or creating a sense of negativity around a game i think banjo kazooie is fantastic and i'm going to make a note of it again when i record just a brief intro for this episode but part of this my blog and part of this podcast is about examining what's cool about games and what brings us joy from them from our past and currently and having your perspective as a game dev I think really adds a lot of nuance to that experience and I think there's a lot to love here I do think that maybe it's not it's just not for us and I think that's totally okay Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that that's that is 
loudly and proudly stated that I think Banjo-Kazooie is fantastic. But for me, the revisit wasn't, and it may, it was a little disappointing. It wasn't what I wanted it to be. It wasn't like my experience of playing like, you know, uh, Oberdin or something like that. Yeah. It's, I, I think I'm in the same boat and that has to do with the whole disappointment or what I wanted to get out of it. I think having come out at the same time or not the same time, but around the same time as Mario 64, uh, Donkey Kong 64, uh, seeing how much people love Banjo-Kazooie, seeing how much people love Rare and the prestige that Rare has having played ahead in time, going back to play Banjo-Kazooie was something I felt was going to be, at the very least for me, kind of like watching Neon Genesis Evangelion. For me, I I am somebody who, it's fine. I'm it's I'm not the I'm not a big fan of Neon Genesis Evangelion, but I did really understand the impact that it had in the given time that it was released. Were you was ever hoping, Were you ever an Eva fan? I don't think so. I I, I watched Eva the first time. The, this is this is a hundred percent a different episode. You just sent me. You almost sent me off a off a oh, ledge. No. So okay, okay, we can talk about that. Yeah, we can talk about that afterwards. another time when we do our anime <laughs> spinoff. I guess our anime spin. Use your animes. Uh, use your waifus. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh boy. Uh, so I I honestly think use so. Your I am, use your waifu. Your waifu. Use your waifus. Don't lose your waifu. Um, I am somebody who thinks Banjo-Kazooie... And so the reason I bring that is that I didn't feel like Banjo-Kazooie met, at least for me, that same expectation of I will get a sort of understanding and I will be... I'm appreciative of it. I'm appreciative of what it does. But I don't see from it something that I don't see in other games of the same era. Um, your Mario 64, your Donkey Kong 64. And so, and even... I was about to say Glover for some reason. I haven't oh played Glover since not, I was we 12. Cannot I have Glover, no idea. We can't talk Glover. about Glover on this podcast. We can't do it. It's The, the, the number... I can't... We cannot get Glover-pilled, Fran. The number... <laughs> the number... <laughs> of like like the like just thinking about like like other ga- like video game this is that that comment really just like knocked me down like I'm, this like, is the Eva. second time eva and glover are you well, kidding eva was was, what is good? was because i was not that was the, but glover oh it's just like i listen to other video game podcasts out there and glover comes up <laughs> and it's like what hat like how can we all be so glover pilled but Dude, Glover is a great game, and I, I, I will not take any questions. Uh, I'm, that's... I'm a, yeah, that's fine. Uh, I'll be holding a panel <laughs> at uh, at San Diego Comic Con on Gex, and uh, there will not be Glo- there will not be a a, pa- a section for questions. How about games that start with a G? Best games that start with yeah, a G. Uh, Glover, it's got to be Gex? Glover, Gex, Gex Two, Glover Two. <laughs> Was there a Glover Two? No, not yet. Anyways, back. you can bring it to <laughs> life in to- VR. Oh my god! But to finish the thing, the this my my thought process of like who would I recommend Banjo Kazooie? What is the what is in our today? What is Banjo Kazooie 
uh, mean to us. I think that the best recommendation I can give is going back to that whole analogy of it feels like a sad AM cartoon or along or Cartoon Network mm-hmm. classic 90s yeah. cartoon. If you're looking to play a cartoon, play Banjo-Kazooie, play each level, play it as if it were an episode, then wait a week and play another <laughs> another uh <laughs> that's another a one. wild like, take th- that way it, that way you don't get bogged down with all the griminess of some of the mechanics and stuff like that and you can maybe enjoy it a little bit more yeah so i i i agree with quite a bit of what you had to say <laughs> i would say my takeaways from banjo kazooie is that honestly the vibes are immaculate yeah Outside of some issues I had with the humor, and that's probably just personal taste more than anything, mm-hmm. and and it's just a little bit dated. It's like watching an old episode of Friends. You're like, ugh. Like, mm-hmm. I would have laughed at that when I was 16, but... That's fair. You know, so I think that the vibes are just... The vibes are so, so tight in... Mm-hmm. Banjo Kazooie. The music's great. The characters are super fun. The story we never got to the story. That dear listener, that's because there isn't really one. Uh, the I'll give it to you in ten seconds. Gruntilda, the evil witch, steals Banjo's sister. I don't remember her name, and wants to body swap with her, like Freaky Friday style, or like the Fly. Actually, it's it's. You're right. Sorry, I, I apologize. This is Cro- This is like the anti Cronenberg Fly. She wants to she wants to body swap with his sister because she's younger and uh you if you uh the man I'm going to get derailed so quick I know I said I want to Can we this. can we can... Uh, All right my last comment and like about the vibes all that that's great like the game is fun I I would just blitz the game to be honest if you put it down I think you'd lose speed like I did but what's really interesting about this game that is something I haven't seen before is that when you close the game, you save it, and you say exit game or close game, it shows it ends the game. It literally says the game is over, and you get and you see a cutscene where Gruntilda wins. Yeah, the, every every time you stop playing that game, it brings you to a cutscene where Gruntilda wins. She body swaps with with your sister, and that's the end of the game. And then like the game like taunts you for not finishing it. Wait, is that? Is that so? I've seen memes of sexy Gruntilda. Is that where it's yeah. from? Yeah, I, That's I not, thought that was it's somebody not made it up. Bro. That's real. Oh my god! I didn't know that was yeah. real. I didn't know that was canon. Yeah, yeah. it's it's <laughs> that's the craziest thing. It's like you end the game and they're like, "No, bro, it's over. You didn't save her. You don't get the girl." And it's like, it like hev- That's pretty heavy as like a kid. Like you lose. Do not pass go. Like. I, so oh my goodness which by the way since you mentioned getting the girl i do enjoy a lot that this game yes it's a damsel in distress but it is a not in love interest damsel in distress where all games at that era were very you know male centric get the girl in the end to get romantically involved with them like i do like that this game is your little sister and you're like well obviously i'm a yeah. big brother i'm gonna it's, go say it's her. a it's like, a great twist on on an old trope and you know the and mm-hmm. nintendo's great at this right nintendo did this with super metroid it's the hero isn't a dude mm-hmm. a little sensualized i guess at that last cutscene. but you, when she take 
but if she just takes her helmet off, it's like, yeah, she's, she's yeah. it's a woman and that's great. And, you know, that's that's something that Nintendo's got going on for it in the in the 90s mm-hmm. here is, is subverting some expectations like that. I, I, too, can appreciate what Banjo-Kazooie mm-hmm. did here. And I, and I would say, honestly, if you want to. If you want to experience a little bit of why somebody if somebody in your life is born in the 90s and or and grew up playing a game like this i think you'll learn a lot about their childhood if they played this game by playing it and i think that's and and if anything show up for the music yeah i feel like you'll understand why they like dark souls i i don't do it don't now i'm gonna play the music out don't do it don't bring up you didn't have to do that because we're doing ocarina of time next Magic Kazooie right is the now, Dark Souls of, of, time, of 3D platform. I'm talking about Elden Ring. They are one to one. Do I need I, to finish Elden Ring? Bro, I've never played we're gonna have a Elden big. Ring. We're gonna have a big issue when our when my ten hour <laughs> Ocarina of Time episode has a five hour Elden Ring subversion in the middle. But anyway, that that's that's <laughs> what I got. We're gonna do Elden. We're gonna no. We're not doing Elden Ring next. We're gonna do Ocarina of Time next. I'm playing on the 3DS, which I think is. By far the best way to play it. What are you playing on, Fran? Uh, agreed. Even nice. though I'm playing it on N64, i I didn't want it. I didn't want to cramp my hands on the A 3DS version, so I decided to it's you know real. go on the N64. Yeah, it is so real. I remember playing that in the 3DS, and I also once you told me you were doing the 3DS, yeah. I was like, oh well, maybe I'll do the other one, and that way we can have. Essentially, a Banjo Kazooie Xbox 360 versus N64, or on Microsoft on your PC with a controller. Do not play the yes. N64 version. I'm sorry. Um, as far as Ocarina of Time yes, goes, please. Uh, if you can't get it on 3DS, because I think it's a pretty expensive game at this point, and the 3DS shop is closed. Rip. Uh, I think. I think mm-hmm. your best bet is probably to to use some wiles and wit to find a way to do so in other it to you can find lots of games everywhere you know you know the backyard the forest and the backyard. yeah i would i would recommend there. emulating can, it frankly i know you can find out there. around that bush but if we're, if, we're, if we're getting to the emulation part of this i don't know how I to ask you yeah i'm not gonna tell you how to get there <laughs> unless you ask anyway fran where can they find you they can find me at L underscore Fantastico on... Oh, wait, Twitter doesn't exist anymore. It's still around. It's still around. <laughs> I mean, you can find me there. I don't really post that much. I should probably get onto Instagram threads, you know? That's the new hot That's what the kids are uh, doing, thing. so I'm told. The new <laughs> and uh, stream from time to time, L underscore Fantastico. How about you, Jason? Well, Fran, thanks for asking. Uh, you can find me on Twitter.com at conwobi k-o-n-w-o-b-i and you can find me streaming on twitch occasionally at wobi underscore con occasionally i've been playing some magic uh some magic arena i'm thinking about getting into magic online some other nerdy stuff but i'm looking forward to streaming games that i have on the computer for this segment for this podcast when i can when possible and mm-hmm. that's and maybe you'll find me on mastodon i don't know i'm gonna pick actually you know what that's not true you can find me on tumblr at froggy fight club that's where it's all gonna be at tumblr's where that's it's such at a good one. i'm in froggy fight club come find me come at me i will reblog everything you reblog if you tell me that you found me here oh but that i think that's uh that's to use your you items know, that's it 
Not use your waifus. Not use your animes. Use your items. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week. Bye. And thank you to the fantastic William O'Rourke for our theme music. You can find Will over at at William F. O'Rourke. That's O-R-O-U-R-K-E on Instagram for more work. Thanks, Will.